Hello world, and welcome to Development Heaven, a design podcast where we discuss development hell, or the changes your favorite pieces of media go through from inception to execution. I'm your host, Vincent Marnelli, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Glenn Cagle. Hey, Vincent. How's it going? Hey, buddy. Uh, I'm fine. No, uh, didn't come up with an, uh, an introduction this week. What so I figured we could just like, uh, I figured I'd introduce a new segment where I ask you how your week was without like, it's you know, telling. genuine concern. Yeah. Just like genuinely how, how your week was. No, like that's the name a- of the segment, like genuine concern. Yeah. So welcome to okay. genuine concern, uh, a segment where Glenn tells me how his, the last two weeks were for him without revealing uh, where in the world we are <laughs> right now. Okay. Um, actually, I had a really interesting couple of weeks. I uh, I got my I, I got my car stuck in a creek. Okay. Why were you driving in a creek? Um, it's kind of a long story. Do you want me? To, I'll tell <laughs> it, and if it's too long, we'll cut it out. Okay. <laughs> um, I was over at a friend's house. Uh, we had a little bit of a, a get together, a pool party, uh, summer summer kickoff, if you will, mm-hmm. and um, everybody else there was a couple, and I didn't know this when I came there, but all the people who were singles canceled, and so I was like, I right, uh-huh. see ya. And so I left. So you had sex with your car. I had sex with my car, uh, and so I left, and then um, on the way home, I just like went the wrong way. <laughs> I took a wrong turn, and then I was like, oh, hey, if I turn here, I'll, it'll put me right back on the highway where I need to be, and I'll barely have lost any time, and I was like, oh, perfect, so I turned onto that road, and it was okay at first, I mean, it's just like a, a tiny little country road, you know, uh, a bunch of farms along it, and I'm like, how bad could it be? It's on the map. It's If it's on the map, it's got to be a traversable road, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's... That's kind of like a rule, I feel like. It's definitely a rule. Yeah. Don't put it on the map if I can't drive on it. Dog. Anyway, I'm driving on the road, and uh, every single driveway has a no trespassing sign on it. And uh, there's like, and a dog chased me at one point. Anyway, the road gets narrow and narrower. So you continue to trespass. Rougher and rougher until uh, it comes to a creek. And... um, this creek is very shallow, and I cross it no problem. But then I find that the road is actually flooded from there up into the next creek crossing. <laughs> what? And I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? I drive, and I drive. It's flooded like two inches. And mm. I drive along, and then I come up to the next creek crossing where somebody had obviously tried to fix it by putting like a, putting like some sort of paving over a, like a, like a, you know, those plastic tubes to like direct water underneath the road. Yeah. 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 So somebody had obviously tried to do that, but it like had broken. And, uh, I was like, I drive a Prius by the way. I was, <laughs> I was like, uh, I, you know what? I've come this far. It, I, there's not enough room to turn around. Pedal to the metal. And, uh, and I got stuck in that little pipe thing. Like my tire was like on the, um, uh, in some water on the little pipe thing and it was it was a mess it was a mess so i i faffed about there for a while uh so i didn't and i didn't have any phone reception there i'm in the middle of nowhere so i uh locked up my car and hit the road and i walked all the way back to the last intersection where i had a, a phone signal and then i called uh the friends that were at the party and mm-hmm. um they all came in, and then they tried to come and find me, 
And uh, did you get them stuck too? They went the wrong way. <laughs> oh, no. Which they, was I, the right way because you had went the wrong way. Yeah. So yeah. I ended up I ended up sitting uh, by that uh, intersection for like an hour in the dark at midnight. So for I guess it was like from between like midnight and one. Yeah, Glenn, that's a scary story. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spook you. <laughs> I'm kind of spooked. Yeah. Uh, actually, wow. it was really peaceful. Honestly, I-, I was like, while I was walking on that road and it was like dark and I couldn't tell where I was going. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, I know that this is a scary situation, but I'm not scared. Right, there were ghosts all weird. around, but besides the ghosts. It was kind of, I don't know. It was a little weird because I was like, what well, shit? I mean, I don't know. I felt like this was just, a, it was actually kind of peaceful. Hmm. I don't know. Did you meet back up with that dog? I, I drove past it on the way back. Yeah, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and it chased me again. Hmm. I had an all right two weeks. I uh, didn't get stuck in a creek. I baked some bomb ass cookies. Nice. Uh, and I marathoned the Planet of the Eight movies. Oh hell yeah! So I think I've never our, seen our... them, but they sound interesting. They're good. They're okay. I mean they're cool. classics for a reason cool cool but hey speaking of movies though we did do a movie night for this week's episode didn't we yes that's our theme (laughs) that's our classic segue (laughs) that's our theme (laughs) warning theme incoming um so anyway uh who's going first this week glenn uh this one was kind of last minute because i got my car stuck in a creek so i didn't Mm. um i didn't have any time to prepare like a randomness segment so um i'm gonna roll some dice oh by the way don't dice make like the most like sonically interesting sound? Yeah, keep doing this every week. Every time, Vincent, I'm gonna do no, this to you. No, they don't. I mean, I like, you know what, dude? I could listen to this all day long. I don't it's know so if good. the MP3 format will do it as much justice as you think it's doing. Dice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna roll some dice. I've got a red die and a black die. And mm. if the do you want red or black? Always been on black. Do you want high or low? Oh, hi. Okay, if black low, turns up higher than red, Vincent low. goes first. No, too late. Damn. You drive a hard bargain, Vincent, but I drive a harder one. <laughs> I also drive a Prius. Oh, they both rolled three. Well, you didn't come up with the contingency plan for this one, did you? I did. It's called re-roll. Okay, cool. Black two, red one, baby. So I go first. Yes, you do. I go first this week. Perfect. Yeah, because I went first last week, or last yeah last fortnight. That lines up. What is this, episode four? This is episode four, Vincent. I think I've gone first three out of four times. That might be true. But that's not that unexpected, statistically. I know that. I took statistics. Oh, yeah. That's a <laughs> callback. Right, so for this week, we thought we would change up the format a little bit. I believe so far in the previous three episodes, we've talked about five video games and like a handful of baselines from last week. So this week I figured we would talk about movies instead because we also like movies. We have multiple facets, but very interesting <laughs> characters, you and I. <laughs> so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like games That's what, I'm and putting that on my I'm putting that on my Tinder. Very I'm putting, interesting. It's already on my resume. Multiple, multiple facets, likes, movies, and video games. So I'm going to talk about a movie I don't, really like that's not a good start uh i'm gonna talk about no, frozen it's a great start it's a good start i'm gonna talk about frozen uh, a film that's fine 
didn't it win like a bunch of it was highly acclaimed and i think that's yeah. part of my uh problem with it i i listen okay. i know it's like all right i'm gonna bring back our famous segment hot on cold hot takes on cold topics which feels only... thematically appropriate for the movie frozen like, oh um, man frozen fever even frozen fever even uh even it won fever. a lot of oscars i believe and in my opinion it didn't really deserve them okay because the entirety of frozen is just that one song it's you know it feels like it's just let it go is the reason people know the movie and remember it because the rest of it's sort of unremarkable interesting take okay and i do feel like you have to compare it to the, the previous film tangled which is better hmm so it did come out when I was 14, and so part of me, you know, as any 14-year-old... You sympathized hmm. with uh, Flynn Strider, or whatever his name was. Yeah. And you want to be him. <laughs> well, no, more more that as a 14-year-old, you know, you don't like anything that isn't targeted towards my specific demographic, right? Totally, so I, yeah. You know, 100%. and, and I've, I've yet to meet a 14-year-old that enjoys musicals, Um. Well, that isn't in them. That isn't in them, exactly. I, you know, I'm sure they exist. Uh, <laughs> Call in uh, at the number you see on your screen right now. I'm not going to spend this episode harping on a highly acclaimed movie that millions of people enjoy. Because as I was researching this film, I this is an absolutely unprecedented case for me. Because this is this is a film that had been in development hell since 1937. What? Even before Snow White, right? Uh, the the first animated feature Disney ever made. They had an idea, a project they wanted to make about the life of Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, this originally started out as a live action biography, uh, mm-hmm. but so they wanted to do a biography of the author of several of their stories, and that yeah, turned like into the Duckling and shit, right? And Little Mermaid, all that, and that mm-hmm. turned into. Frozen, correct. So many people might know this, but Frozen starts out its life as an adaptation of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen, which is a seven-part story he wrote at some point. I'm not going to summarize it because I haven't read it. Okay. Is it long? But it sounds batshit. It's like a weird... It sounds... I don't know. I don't know anything about it. That's interesting. Well, I'll I'll give you you the Didn't he mostly write like short stories? Something like that. I mean, it's it's their fables, right? Right. A- and they can be boiled down to, you know, at least uh, Snow Queen, right? It's a very basic good versus evil sure. story where a little girl fights a Snow Queen. Okay. And, like, there's hobgoblins who turn people into ice or something. Mm-hmm. So even before Disney had made uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, they wanted to make a project about... The life of Hans Christian Andersen. This concept was originally going to be like a live-action biography, but after the success of Snow White, they wanted to turn it into like a series of short animated vignettes Hmm. about a handful of his more famous stories, like The Ugly Duckling or The Little Mermaid or The Snow Queen. Sure. What's interesting about that is that it was specifically The Snow Queen that caused a hang-up on this project because they couldn't figure out how to make a story about a Snow Queen with that character relating to modern audiences and so eventually hmm. that entire project was scrapped what was it originally about that couldn't be translated into modern times do you know well i i think 
it boils down to that idea of this is a very basic story of good versus evil. Okay. And Disney wasn't sure how to write the Snow Queen as a compelling character. Was she the bad guy? Yes. I see. So. Um, Anti-heroes weren't really a thing at that point. No, she was straight up evil. She gotcha. was the primary antagonist of the film. It was about the little girl being the hero. Yes. Okay. Anyway, it went through. Fast forward to the 90s. So, boom. Okay. Disney Renaissance. That's a, a jump. It's a big jump, right? I'm a little scared. But, you know, they... Uh, I mean, that's the whole thing with the Disney Renaissance, right? Where they... Disney wasn't making animated movies anymore. And then they released... Was Little Mermaid the first one in the Disney Renaissance? I can't remember. Um, I'm not sure. I would believe it. Either way, it did well. Yeah. You know? Uh, and Little Mermaid being a Hans Christian Andersen story, it renewed interest in the animated Snow Queen adaptation. Uh, hmm. But Disney made Tarzan and like Treasure Planet instead, so the Disney Renaissance died before right. <laughs> Snow Queen adaptation could be made. Right. So fast forward again, it's 2008, and the co-director of Tarzan, a guy named Chris Buck, gets another version of this Snow Queen story rolling again because I believe he worked on the, or at least he had seen the pre-production work done for the film in the 90s. There, There is like concept art online if you want to look for it, okay. both for the like 1937 version as well as the 90s version. Okay. And in all of them, um, the Snow Queen, still the villain, you know, and they don't know how to make it work <laughs> this guy chris buck uh wanted his story to be more subversive uh about the definition of love so he didn't want you know like you were talking about earlier n- not that classic true love kiss right um disney thing he wanted yeah, to make like something the, other than he, that he, the prince saves her by kissing her <laughs> exactly even though she's asleep this new know. project uh was titled anna and the snow queen okay was and her name anna in the I believe it was like Gendra or it started with with a G, ended with an A, and it was not Anna. Glad they went with Anna. Gerda. Her name is Gerda. Yeah, it's a bad... I'm sure it was a fine name when the book was written. What was Hans? Was he Danish? That's what his Wikipedia page said. Okay. So this new project was called Anna and the Snow Queen, and it was at this time that Josh Gad becomes attached to it, right? He's the voice of Olaf, the funny little... Oh, okay, yeah. ...snowman with the worst character design. Uh, I mean, I'm sure... I I think it was clever because it was probably super easy to animate. Snowman can't be hard to animate, I imagine. They're, you know, three balls stacked on top of each other. So you think... what, What don't you like about his character design it's just it's it's the face you know it okay so here's the thing the buck too like i said i'm not gonna spend all of this episode ragging on i want to i want to hear what you have to say though <laughs> snowmen should be so so easily marketable you know what i mean uh-huh. i mean it's like it's like better porgs right where they're so such a simple aesthetically pleasing looking thing that it's so instantly recognizable it's like a perfect icon the snowman and you don't think olaf has that no really he looks like a lump of shit i've seen so I mean, many like plushies yeah and do you think they look do you think they look good uh, they look as good as any other plushie mm. 
Well, let's do an experiment. <laughs> okay, I'm all I'm all for a, an experiment. Let's look. Let, just Google Olaf. Okay. Just Google Olaf. Just just straight up Olaf, like the, like just not o- just yeah, just Olaf. O L A. Tell me what you see. Yep. I see the snowman. You see the snowman? I see so much of the Olaf the snowman. Yeah. Because they, uh, I mean, they really did hammer in this whole marketing ploy because snowmen should be marketable, but it's, it's the, I don't know, the tooth. You see that big old tooth? Yeah, he's got that buck tooth, yeah. And the weird, his weird, like, the shape of his head. I, okay, here, I I do have a gripe with it. Here's my gripe. His eyes are like actual eyes. (laughs) <laughs> like people eyes yeah that's yeah. a little weird to me where did the, yeah okay i just i don't know why he's got they eyebrows decided, yeah why they decided this snowman i like i think i think his face tooth. is i think his face is charming but i see what you're saying well then i guess that's what makes us different huh dude i never thought olaf would come between us <laughs> Anyway, I mean, what does he got like grass um, in his head? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's like sticks or something. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, that's not very snowman. And why have does he have cheekbones? Okay, yeah, he has. Yeah, it's wh- the cheek. The cheekbones are that's big for it, me. That's, that's uh, it. Why does he have cheekbones? <laughs> what kind of yeah. snowman has cheekbones? I don't know. Like I said, snowmen are such. Well, he has icons. feet too. Why snowmen don't have feet? Yeah, the feet are weird. Okay. Okay, I'm. I, you're slowly turning me to your side. I'm starting to see. I'm starting to th- see the world through Vincent colored glasses. And I'm and I'm just seeing Olaf's feet everywhere. <laughs> 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 nothing, nothing but Olaf's feet all around. Listen, I don't hate Olaf. All right, but I. He's a fun character, but his. Am... He doesn't need. He doesn't need cheekbones. He doesn't need feet. He doesn't need people eyes or eyebrows. Little, I'm just disappointed because he could be better. Anyway, this 2008 version with Josh Gad fell into development hell really fast because they just had a name and Josh Gad and, and they still character. didn't know how to make the Snow Queen character work. That's going to be that, that's that been the running theme a, so far. Is it that hard to write a <laughs> redemption arc for her? Well, because they wanted her to be a villain. And that's what's interesting. In they, did, but every, they didn't, they didn't want to do the whole Maleficent thing. No. Well, because Maleficent was just ruthlessly evil, wasn't she? Until they made the Angelina Jolie movies. I, well, yeah. Yeah, she in the cartoon, she, yeah, she was, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't think she had any sort of redeeming qualities. I think she died yeah. in the end. Yeah. So all they've said about this specific version is that they had all the characters there, all the sort of pieces in place, but they were all really one-dimensional and they didn't know how to make them resonate with the audience. I see. And I believe that it's around this point that um, it's somewhere in here until the actual release of the film that they decide Elsa should be on a sister and that lets you have that uh, untraditional love element. Yeah, yeah, that philos. Yeah, creates a better sort of dynamic. Yeah. So fast forward one more time. It's 2011 and Tangled was a huge success. Uh, Disney did well in the 3D animated department. And so Disney makes an official announcement like they do of their coming slate of movies. And one of them is a 
3D animated film titled Frozen. At this point in time, that's all they have. Nice. The the writers, Disney does this all the time, um, like notoriously for uh, the the Marvel films, I believe. Well, they'll they'll announce a slate of films without even Uh, directors so much as attached to them. But I think most studios do this. So they have the they 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 have this deadline of this is a film that'll come out in 2013. Now get on it, and they you know have the production team take care of everything else. That's wild. <laughs> so of the original story, this is what we know: uh, Anna isn't royalty. Elsa is a self-proclaimed ice queen, and she's just completely evil. Okay. And that's they are the uh, sort of two clashing forces in the film. Okay. Fire Eventually, and ice. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, it's decided that the two should be sisters, right? Because that would help with the love narrative. But all they have of that so far is this hook from the story about people's hearts freezing. But they don't know what to do with that. They Does have that happen in the final movie. I don't remember that. Yes, to an extent. Um, I think Anna freezes in the end. And. Kristoff saves her with a kiss? No, so... Ah. Disney. (laughs) (laughs) No, in the film, there is a prophecy that Anna's heart will freeze and that love has to save her, and so they think it's Hans, right? But then it's her sister's love, right? And so that completes the arc. Anyway, in this original story, during this period of, uh, you know, ideas are bouncing around and nobody's sure what the final story is going to be, classic disney it's sort of like crunch like we were talking about last week yeah um everyone's on just this time limit get this done uh they have these idea bouncing around like it's elsa's heart who freezes uh so she cuts herself off from all love and mm. because of that she's this antagonist or it's han's heart that freezes so he fulfills this prophecy of destroying the city of so he like sacrifices Kingdom. himself no, he he's becomes like the twist villain. I at, at that point in the script, he's the villain. I don't know. Weird. Anyway, they ended up going with Anna's heart being frozen, but they still don't know entirely what to do with Elsa's arc. They don't know how to make her a more relatable character. And so this is why I claim that the song Let It Go is the only thing that really defines Frozen because All right, so dig this. <laughs> I'm digging it. They're rewriting the script and they're scrapping everything and they're getting new concept art like drawn up and this project is in this weird amorphous state, but they need to get the songwriters mm-hmm. going because that takes some time to do. And so the songwriters look at this villain Elsa and go, "Oh, you know, she's um they want to write a song that shows her sort of emotional vulnerability and explains her villainous origins and they end up writing let it go Mm -hmm. and it's a jam you know it's a it's a anthem it's a a hit yeah (laughs) and it completely misses the point of a villainous elsa and it sends the it sends a completely different message so there's no arc anymore it's well the the writers you know i mean it's a good song and the writers really liked it and so they decided that instead of making her the villain they include this twist villain and they make elsa 
a protagonist with her sister and that becomes a story but it does throw off the arc where Elsa isn't so much redeemed because she's shown leaving but she was it's never like what she like, wants to do that's yeah, the point she was never like uh truly antagonistic the story sends a weird message where it's like you know let it go and go and do your own thing but then also the end of the but film wants you to be like you know don't do that yeah okay that's actually you a really I mean? interesting take i've never thought about that before i thought i mean i always focused on like the like we were talking about earlier like the it's the the sisterly love mm-hmm. and i was like and i and i always commended this movie for being like it's the first one i know of where disney was like hey let's uh let's you know not focus on the female character finding a love interest let's focus on yeah i mean and it does it really well yeah and i think i think it it set the stage pretty well for that uh because then after that we got moana yeah and uh yeah moana slaps moana slaps i've told you this moana is like my favorite disney movie really yeah (laughs) that's cool i like moana more than i feel like i should huh anyway that's my hot take on the cold subject of Frozen, uh, the pacing is made for Elsa to be a villain, and it kind of throws everything out of whack. And it kind of doesn't, yeah. I do have some fun facts for you. As usual. want to hear them. Vincent, you know what I say. What do you say? All facts are fun. <laughs> well, here we go. Um, so, first off, our best friend Olaf, uh, he originally, in Vincent, most Vincent, versions of the script... What's up? I don't think he's our best friend after we trashed him a second ago i think he's not really into us anyway um, our, our acquaintance olaf yeah our mortal enemy olaf <laughs> yeah for most of the versions of the script olaf had a snow globe with him at all times which was like represented the the good in elsa but that was cut pretty late because they worried that the film was already like really packed with symbols yeah which is true. Yeah. Uh, they also said that um, Olaf was like really likely to get cut from the film because they're he doesn't their only do marketable character. Well, I mean, they're, they're, you know, it, the whole film is very marketable. They didn't even need to market it because they wrote such a good song. That's true. Uh, but, but I feel like Olaf, Disney always has like their little plushie, like their little thing they, that they can make into a plushie. But there was the reindeer as well, right? I mean, I guess I would. I guess I would rather play with an Olaf plushie than a Sven plushie. Anyway, <laughs> Olaf was very liable to get cut because they didn't have him doing anything in the film. So right. they rewrote a scene near the end when Anna needs to go and confront Elsa. Olaf comes in and gives her the inspiration to do so and so other than that the film doesn't work they included that real late real sneakily to make sure that Disney can't couldn't remove Olaf. Josh Gad's classic character from the movie yeah, yeah. The, at, which was at one point the whole movie all they had <laughs> yeah and nice. honestly thank god right yeah I remember when I the first time I did like 3D modeling it mm-hmm. was all about snowmen like, I kid you not, like, 3D modeling, when I first started, it was like, here's how you make a snowman. 
Here's how you make uh-huh. a little wintry scene for them because they're so easy. You can make it with just primitive shapes. It's just circles. It's just yeah. it's just uh, like spheres. spheres. Yes. Right. And then like a cone for the nose. And you give him a little top hat. <laughs> wow. Which is just a cylinder. Which is just a cylinder. Yeah, that makes and then you give like a Which, little flat cylinder for his, for the bill of the top hat or the rim. Or so it baffles going. me how they still messed up. <laughs> yeah. <so bad. laughs> Dude, they should have just used my uh, my project that I like made. And when I don't know, when I was like really young, before they had a game design category at the state tech mm-hmm. fair that I always went to as a kid. <laughs> they, I always had to be in animation uh, and so I would always do like a blender animation and I did a, like a little snowman guy that like walked around and then he lost his hat and he had to go find it and uh, they could have just used that instead I mean I would have totally they probably to should them. have they'd be better off yeah. to them. are you kidding me there's always next time yeah <laughs> <laughs> it won too like I won with oh it. yeah put that on your resume it send is. it to disney the well that not that specifically but the fact that i won is on my resume <laughs> okay you should put i'm saying put the snowman on your resume i, like, I don't just, know if that i just like take a screenshot of it and then put that like i don't even need text anymore i just yes a pr- print out a screenshot of yes. my snowman character <laughs> okay you're right yeah i'm this is going off the rails Vincent. a little bit one other thing, like I was saying, the sister relationship is the key aspect of this movie. And so when they decided that the protagonist will be sister characters, what they did is they got women from all over the studio, the Disney lot, who were sisters, who had sisters, mm-hmm. and they set up a, a sister summit to discuss their relationships with their sisters okay. and how to translate that into a film. Okay. And I think it. I think that's fantastic. I mean, it works. Yeah, that's, obviously. That's really good because I see so much. Like being a, I, I'm. We both have uh, one brother, one sister, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and having being a sib. That's the actual word, by the way. Being a sib, oh, I am it? so. It, I, I was told it was by a teacher. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I believe teachers. Yeah. So I, I've got to, uh, I, I am like hyper aware of when like um, in a movie you see like a brother and the sister and they're like, hey, little bro, you know, like it's just yeah. the worst. Like I was, uh, we were watching uh, Age of Ultron a while ago and mm-hmm. when um, Maxima, Maximov, the Maximov twins. Quicksilver. Quicksilver and, and uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. When they like, they're like, you know, we just went through like a perilous fight and they could have both died and they managed to like reunite. And the way they, they like lock eyes with each other and put their hand on each other's abdomen. Mm, sure. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was deeply disturbed by that. Yeah. Like not even in the fact that it was like, like, like. It, it being indicative of incest is one thing, but being indicative of like, or there's like. I don't think anyone. Well, I don't think anyone thing. would greet each other that way. <laughs> they're twins, so it's different. Oh, it's different because they're twins. Yeah, because okay. they're twins. Because they're twins. Did you don't t- have a twin, so you wouldn't know we, what that's did like. Did we mention that they were twins? Yeah. I'm glad they. I'm glad they asked, asked asked actual people how to be a sibling for this movie. Yeah, and it shows. You're right. Funny. It shows in the movie. Okay, Vincent, all that time travel has got me in a in a, in some kind of mood, Vincent. 
A hell of a mood. A hell of a mood. Uh, so today we're talking about everyone's favorite, uh, Back to the Future. That is my favorite. The trilogy. I'm, I'm not talking. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not discriminating. I'm talking about all three of them. Okay. Fair all, all three of them at once. I'm going to record them separately, that... and you're going to play them over each other. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Audio experience. Yeah. Podcasts. I'll play. I'll art. play. Uh, I'll talk about part one, and we'll play that in your left ear. I'll talk about part two, and we'll play that in your right ear. And I'll play. Talk about part three, and then personally, like, live in front of you. Personally, live in front of you. And uh, if you don't like it, then what's wrong with you? Honestly. <laughs> Yeah, you just don't understand art. Yeah, this is... This Which, is I where, mean, you're allowed to, but... This is yeah. where we're going. This is where podcasts are going. <laughs> um, the future of podcasts. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I really like about uh, this trilogy, or what makes it stand out, is that mm-hmm. it spans the uh, sort of coming of age of the visual effects industry. So okay. and you can really see that it's it's like a it's like a time capsule, uh, and I'll give you some examples. In part one, the um, lightning bolts in the sky when you know in the storm scene were hand drawn mm-hmm. with like a white like marker or something on the uh, film by an artist. All uh, right, yeah, kind of wild, right? Uh, his name is Wes Takashi. <laughs> Um, or Taka- Takahashi, sorry, sorry. Wes Takahashi drew in these uh, these lightning bolts by hand in the first one. There's some other lighting effects that were done that way. Um, some other things that they did in in the first part that were that seemed like really just just blow my mind. Like how could how could you know a professional studio have done this? They uh, <laughs> they got some like fiber fill, which was like this like uh, poofy material. You know when you make like a spider web at a at a haunted house. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they got a whole bunch of that and uh, they had uh, Ken Ralston, one of the guys that was working on it, crawl around underneath the fiberfill, flashing a light to create like the lightning effects behind the clouds. And they just recorded that and then oh. like pasted it in above the- And put uh, it on the sky? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right? So really I mean, weird it's creative. Stuff. I'll give them that. Yeah, no, totally. This is ILM. So the uh, Industrial Light mm-hmm. and Magic, George Lucas's company that he founded yeah. for uh, Star Wars. They uh, they are like kind of the the biggest innovators in the um, the big dogs. Yeah, they they invented a lot of the techniques that were used throughout, all the way up until digital digital um, compositing became like the uh, the primary the industry standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they even and they even you know still do stuff today in like digital digital animation, CGI stuff like that. Um, or digital techniques, I should say, uh, and they and of course because a lot of digital techniques were used in the third one. So the first one, all film, all you know, uh, practical effects. You know, they did some tricks. You know, of course, with miniatures mm-hmm. and um, uh, I don't think they did any split screening in that one. But yeah, a, a few tricks with like rotoscoping and drawing on the on the film. But by the, they got to the third. By the time they got to the third one, there's a lot of uh, CGI a lot of um, other stuff, but it was all still shot on film. So it had to be composited together, which is just blows my mind at how well they did talking about the CGI. It was, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of used as a parody of itself in part two. Uh, if you remember like the big jaws shark. Oh, right. And, and, uh, and the shark still looks fake. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then when he, when there's, when he goes into the, the soda bar and there's like a TV waiter 
uh, and it's like, what's that guy's name? You know what I'm talking about? And it's got like the like the weird face against like the background. It's like the most 80s thing you've ever seen. Sort of. I, uh, she's wearing like a 60s no, 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 no. Or... It's not the it's not the waitress herself. It's he's on a screen. It's like a. Oh, what's it called? What's it called? Was it Max Headroom? Max Headroom. Oh, you're talking about Max Headroom. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like all of the all of the CGI in that one's like used to be like real corny, but the uh, so so for any like of the serious scenes, they use miniatures. Um, for instance, uh, the DeLorean. Obviously, there was like a I don't know uh, one fifth scale DeLorean that they used for um, filming all the scenes where it's flying. So they mm-hmm. would the uh, they invented this machine called or I don't know if they invented this one, but they used it. Uh, it's called the Dijkstra Flex, uh, and it's called a motion control system that. Um, Oh, you know what? It was they used it first in Star Wars. This is the first time a motion control system was ever used at this scale. Uh, was used was to, it for the X wings? Yeah, to control the X wings and the Tie Fighters in the uh, chase scenes. Right. Uh, and then those uh, blaster bolts were hand drawn on there uh, in Star okay. Wars. Yeah, so that's really cool. They just uh, and the way they the, the uh, Dykstra Flex works is it's just got the the miniature on the end of an arm, and it, you pilot that around in front of a blue screen, and then you have a. Um, well, well, today we use green screening, but back then it was blue screening because mm-hmm. that works better on film. And so they would uh, they put the, put whatever background they wanted on there. And a lot of space backgrounds back then were um, just a uh, you hang like a black felt curtain or black curtain of some sort in front of a bright white light, and then you poke holes in it. Wow. Yeah, totally. That's how a That's lot of the a lot of the space backgrounds in Star Wars are made that way. Huh. Cool. But I'm not here to talk about Star Wars. Um, but yeah, the Dykes Reflex. <laughs> yeah, so it's got these little arms, and the purpose of that was so that uh, if you think about like stop motion, I don't know. Have you ever tried stop motion, Vincent? I have. Yeah, I um, I used to do a lot of. Don't look these up, but it was like Lego stop motions. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Would do in my uh, in my basement. Yeah. Totally. I, I would say that Lego stop motions are pretty nice because they have like predetermined increments to move them. But mm. if you ever try like claymation or any or just any regular stop motion, it's sure actually really difficult to just because you have to estimate how far to move each limb in every shot uh and it causes okay. it and it can look really jerky if you're not like if you don't have years of experience so they kind of got over this in um the uh in using the dykes reflex because it was basically a computerized stop motion machine can you spell that for me d y k s t r a f l e x there it is okay yeah so it's basically a uh, computerized um or or, sorry i was i should say automated um stop motion machine so on on the end of an arm you'd have your miniature that would and it would move that by a a certain increment uh every frame and then it would move the camera automatically for pans and things like that and it would take a picture and uh and it made and it kind of streamlined the whole process you had to program the camera moves and the movements of the miniatures ahead of time Right. Yeah. So they they popularized that with Star Wars, and then they used it again in um, Back to the Future with the flying cars and with such. The flying with the flying DeLorean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, the other the other major benefit of that, uh, besides it, you know, making the movement smooth, is that you can take multiple passes. So obviously, in um, you know, if if you were if I were to film humans moving around, you know, in a scene. And I did it, and I shot it multiple times. It would be really hard to. Oh, I, I I just have to hide it with a cut. If I if I do if you know if something changes from scene to scene, I have to hide it with a cut. So I have to cut to mm-hmm. somebody's face or cut to something else and then cut back. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I do. 
but if uh, if I use a computerized camera movements and computerized movements of objects, then I can ensure that it's the same every time. So I can take multiple passes of the same sequence uh, and be sure that they'll line up exactly. Like if I were to you know line up the pieces of film and hold them up to the light, they would line up exactly uh, because it's all done by a computer. So yeah. Um, and the, the major benefit of this is that since the DeLorean is highly reflective, it's like, uh, it's got like this mirrored surface on it. It will, um, it would actually reflect the blue screen that they were shooting against, which is no good, um, because it would make it appear a little bit transparent. Sure. And so, uh, to combat this, one thing that they could do is shoot high contrast shots with a, um, against a white background. And so it kind of just washes out the DeLorean makes it look black, just solid silhouette. Um, and so they would film that one and then use, and then, uh, they would film another shot against a black background with the right lighting to get the DeLorean exactly how they wanted. And then they would film the main shot against blue with all of its bleeding over blue reflection and all that. And so they would use the blue one for compositing and then they would composite the, and they would use the, the high contrast, you know, silhouette shot as a mask to mask that, um, uh, beauty shot with all the lights, you know, the way they wanted it to look, they would use that, uh, they would mask that onto the DeLorean in the final shot. And if it sounds complicated, it's because it was. <laughs> um, sure. But it's, uh, I don't know, in my opinion, that's like really cool <laughs> to be able yeah, I mean, to like think through all the steps that you need to do to make something work like that. It's just incredible to me. Old school practical effects are magical and industrial nice and lit yeah got him got him yeah so uh the dykstra flex made all of that possible because the shots would be ensured to line up now i know the production of the second two were done at the same time right they were all yes. filmed consecutively yes that's true so um uh, let's, you know, uh, that's a great point i'll talk about that so uh bob zemeckis he didn't want to be uh, he, he made the first one was a big hit. Uh, the movie studio said, "Let's definitely make a second one," and he said, "No," because he wants he didn't want to be known as the Back to the Future guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he likes to have a variety of um, genres. You know, he never likes to repeat himself. Uh, so he agreed to work on part two on the condition that he was allowed to make another movie in between. Uh, he made the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, have you ever seen it? I have. That was in between the Back to the Futures? Yes. Yeah, wow. and it was really That's rushed a great because movie. they were rushing yeah. him to work on Back to the Future 2. Huh. Um, I mean, technically, it's incredibly impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, that that mm. movie was revolutionary in the compositing industry because they put hand-drawn cartoons over uh, film shot live action scenes. Yeah. And also, it was like the only time that Warner Bros. and Disney characters were in the same movie. Like a real <laughs> yeah. Mario and Sonic Olympics kind of kind of moment for sure the film industry yeah yeah so he was rushed through that and then he had to and then he was um working on two and three at the same time so he supervised the the post-processing uh for part two in burbank while shooting part three in uh whatever town that they shot it in like old west looking town uh and he had to like fly back and forth between them it was ridiculous but the man was dedicated and probably pretty stressed yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh actually Michael J. Fox was doing um Family what is it, Family Ties, Family Ties his T V show yeah. at the same time that he was shooting Back to the Future One. 
Hmm. He was he, so he would shoot uh, Family Ties during the day and Back to the Future at night, and he got like five hours of sleep a day. You can't tell. Yeah, I know. He's he said it's like <laughs> the worst shape he's ever been in, but he still looks great in that movie. He's still yeah. you know. Uh, what is it? I have a quote right here from him. He says, it was my dream to be in film and television business, although I didn't know I'd be doing them simultaneously. Real, real, real character that, that Michael. More power to him. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this, this film is more impressive than it has any right to be. Anyway. <laughs> um, I've got a lot more that I want to talk about. And a lot of this is probably going to get cut out because it's, we're, we're, we recorded a lot today. Um, but I want to talk to you about right, the concepts. So this, uh, yeah. we talk, we're here on development heaven. We like to talk about development hell. So let's talk about some of the ways that this changed when it was in production. Um, so it all started when a man named Bob Gale, uh, went to visited his parents and, uh, found his father's yearbook in his basement. And he found out that his father had been the president of his graduating class. Mm-hmm. And he said, I didn't even know the president of my graduating class. Would my would me and my father have even been friends if we had uh, attended school together? Like, you know, I don't know. it's <laughs> okay. an interesting thing to That's think about. And that kind of blossomed into the story of um, Back to the Future. Would I even date my mom if I was in the past? <laughs> would I even? So he... Um... <laughs> So he uh, he talked to Zemeckis about this, uh, and they were like, "Yeah, this is a really cool cool story." And they just started talking about it. You know how you do. And uh, eventually, Zemeckis brought the idea to Spielberg, who was like, "Man, that's that sounds really good." They wanted to direct it, obviously, but they didn't want Spielberg to produce it because uh, both of their films that they had done before that under Spielberg had flopped, sort of, and they didn't want to. Really? Yeah, uh, I don't have it written down what those films are called. Because um, that, that Spielberg name is liquid gold, baby. And that's what they wanted to avoid. They didn't oh. want to be known as the guys who only got a job because they were friends with Spielberg. Huh. You see what I mean? Yeah. So they went to a bunch of other uh, studios and get this, get this. Uh, this is like 1980. This is... Or 1981. This is 1981. Yeah. They finished the script or the first draft, and they're going to these different uh, studios to present it. And um, they're all turning them down. I mean, you have to admit, it is a weird story, right? It's a really weird story. Yeah. It, it on first glance, you wouldn't think it's a family-friendly flick. But that's kind of it. That's kind of the thing. A lot of the um, so they went to Columbia first. And they and Columbia put this film in a turnaround uh, because get this, it wasn't sexual enough. No. Yes, they said the film was heartwarming and fun, but it wasn't sexual enough. And they said take it to Disney. Glenn, that sucks. Right. So between <laughs> 1981 and 85, nearly every film studio, major film studio in the industry at the time, rejected the script because. Well, team films at the time were supposed to be risque. You know, think Rat Pack. Mm. They're supposed to be about rebellion. And, uh, and you know, I guess, yeah, 81 to 85, that's like, that's what's going on. So... I'm shocked right now. They didn't really... Uh, and, and since the Back to the Future wasn't really about any of that, it was really more about family. And, you know, uh, it was a really wholesome movie. Yeah, if you think about it. Uh, that's just not what people wanted to hear at that point. So yeah, they spent four years 
<laughs> trying to get the uh, the film, you know, published or uh, or produced. Finally, they went to Disney. They were reluctant to, but finally they went to Disney, and Disney rejected it because they did not want the Disney name tarnished by incest. You know, sometimes Disney. <laughs> so you know, sometimes they are a business. So. Yeah, so it's it's too risque for Disney, not risque enough for anyone else. What are they going to do but crawl back to good old Stevie Spielberg? Yeah, so they, in that kind of interim where they you know they were getting rejected, they finally decided they were going to have to go back to Spielberg because he said he loved it. He, you know, he really liked the script. Um, mm-hmm. But rather than go straight back to them, Zemeckis actually directed Romancing the Stone. I've never seen it uh, or heard of it, but he directed that in order to gain some clout uh, as a director for himself so he so that you know like we said it, he wasn't just kind of banking on the spielberg name because uh, he was definitely an up-and-comer at this time yeah. uh so then uh, you know once he once he had face baby boy once he had made him so uh, made a name for himself he went back to spielberg and said hey do you want to do you uh, he had a company called amblin entertainment they've got the little mm-hmm. et as their logo yeah he said do you want to uh, produce this and spielberg said of course i loved it uh and but the problem was they had already they had gone to Columbia first and somehow that that gave Columbia like certain rights to it, um, so Columbia wanted to do a remake of a film called uh, Double I- Indemnity. Yeah, they wanted to do they, anyway. It's an older film. They wanted to do a remake called Big Trouble, but uh, okay. this the script was too close. It was infringing on the copyright, so they had to get the rights from Universal. And so the only reason Columbia gave up their rights to um, Back to the Future was well to get the rights for Big Trouble. They they did a little swapsies. Amblin has Back to the Future now. They're ready to go and they start making. They start finalizing their changes. It's nineteen like eighty four, I think. Finally, uh, so so they've got this guy. What's his name? Uh, Scheinberg. Uh, I think he's one of the co producers. He uh, and he's he's putting in his his two cents. Uh, Vincent, get this. Einstein Tell me. was originally a chimpanzee. Doc Brown was supposed to have a pet chimpanzee. Huh. Yeah. And uh, Scheinberg said, what the hell? No, it's a dog. Make it a dog. No, please make it a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also um, wanted to change the name to to uh, Spaceman from Because the name was originally monkeying around. <laughs> the name was originally Back to the Future. The name was a perfectly <laughs> good name. He wanted to change it to Spaceman from Pluto. That blows. Yeah, oh no, yeah. that's the name of the the fake story in it. Okay, yeah, got it. Uh, and uh, he said that no film with the word future in its title would ever do well. Uh, he also what a su- moron, right? He also suggested that Marty say his he is a spaceman from Pluto instead of saying his name is Darth Vader from Vulcan in that first crash scene when he first goes back <laughs> to nineteen fifties. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, they're like, that's dumb. And they called up Spielberg, and Spielberg was like, he told Scheinberg that his title and related changes were a joke. Like, like that's what he said. And so, you'll never work in this industry. Again. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but we're making him a dog. You're right about that. Um, <laughs> so Scheinberg got real embarrassed, and he stopped. Uh, he stopped pushing the matter. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What were some other changes to the script? Originally, the originally it was going to be a refrigerator. The the time machine. The DeLorean. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, the time machine was originally going to be a uh, a refrigerator, but they had one of the problems they had big with that. Problems back in the day was people getting locked in their fridges. Exactly. Wasn't it? That's what uh, that's what Zemeckis feared. He was like, "This is just going to encourage kids to lock themselves in refrigerators even more." 
Yeah. Also, he no good. Also, if he that they it would kind of box them in because they would never be able to have the time machine move easily if they they'd have to carry mm. it or something. It would just right. It it would kind of hurt the story a little bit. Um. So they went with the DeLorean and uh, specifically they chose the DeLorean model car because it um, uh, would make the gag with the, when the farmers mistake it for a flying saucer, it made that more believable. Uh, you know, cause it's, yeah, I guess it's sort of like sense. a silver flat car when the wing, the doors open up, it looks like a spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they changed that to a DeLorean. Originally, originally they were going to have the, um, you know, in the in the plot of the first movie near the end, spoilers, he uh, gets back to 1985, the present, uh, by uh, he has to he has to receive like 1.21 gigawatts of electricity or something like that, mm-hmm. and the only yeah. way to generate that much electricity in 1955 because there's no nuclear power is to um, or nuclear or nuclear power isn't readily available uh, is to uh, receive the jolt from a lightning strike. Originally, the plan was to have them drive out to Nevada, where there's a nuclear test site, and drive through an ex- a, a, a nu- nuclear explosion. Sounds dangerous. Right? I mean, I guess yeah. it would have been dramatic, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they decided against that. I think it was like too high. That budget. is honestly surprising to me, because the whole clock tower burning down part of the film is like really tightly it's, written. Yeah, it's it works a little bit too well to have been changed like that. Yeah. Um. Anyway. That's one of the things that uh, they decided that it was too high budget to have, a, um, you know, a, a bomb, you know, pyrotechnics and all that. So they just had uh, good old West Takahashi draw in the lightning um, and it worked just fine. So I don't know if that sounds a little bit familiar to you, a, f- a refrigerator in a nuclear blast in Nevada. Indiana Jones 4. Yeah, yep. Uh, so Spielberg <laughs> actually just stored that one right in his right in his old uh, old dome. The old safe. In the, the old, old memory yeah, banks. In the old dome. And he just uh, took that right with him to 2008 when he made Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, just kind of it was worse for it, huh? Oh, I mean, I I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Like you said before, the spaceman from Pluto thing that eventually became the name of the comic that the kid is holding uh, in the farmer scene, in the crash scene where he crashes into the farmhouse or their barn. Yeah, yeah he's got. It, I, I don't. I think it's like space zombies from Pluto or something like that. But it was inspired by that. Another couple fun facts. Uh, or another it, another it, thing it. about how like this movie was like kind of just bodged together <laughs> for being <laughs> such a masterpiece. Uh, when they wrote the script, it like kind of occurred to them like, why are Marty and Doc such close friends? Like that's kind of weird, right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, so the way they fixed that, the way they rectified this, in the opening scene, have Marty play a giant amplifier in Doc's garage. And I never questioned their friendship after that. Did you? They don't, do they? Did you? I didn't. Yeah. It's like when you, like somehow that just makes it okay. <laughs> like you just open with Marty, you know, you show he has a key to his garage, so obviously you trust him. And then he goes in there and he plays a giant amplifier and blows it out. And it's just like, and after that, I'd never questioned why they and were And a friends. friendship is born. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I don't know how they did that, how they managed to get that to work. This is a little little bit of a fun fact. So uh, Michael J. Fox was their first choice for to play Marty when they were casting. Uh, but he was busy with his uh, TV sitcom called Family Ties. So they got this other guy named Eric Stoltz. Uh, they cast him. Um, but they were like, like two weeks into filming 
they mm-hmm. decided that he wasn't a good fit. Uh, oh. Yeah, so they switched, and it cost oh, three so million dollars. I guess because they had to already oh, pay, and they had to pay him for the work that he already did. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they said that Stoltz's performance was uh, too dramatic and not comedic enough. Uh, whereas when they cast Fox, because they thought that he would be playing himself. Also, Stoltz didn't skateboard. Just imagine being the guy that had to tell him that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I was right in your boat when I was reading about this at first, but then I ran across this. Stoltz actually felt really uncomfortable in the role. Oh. He actually phoned up one of the directors and said in private, you know, I think they made a mistake in casting me. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So either that was planted there to make us not feel, not not hate the directors, or... <laughs> or the guy isn't a great agent for himself. Or the guy just didn't really feel comfortable skateboarding. Mm. <laughs> me neither. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me neither. Yeah, so Stoltz actually felt really uncomfortable in the role. Uh, and so, and Gail and Zemeckis, they actually gave him a really good review when they, uh, or not review, you know what I'm talking about. They gave him a good... Um, <laughs> letter of recommendation or something when they sent him off they said they spoke very highly of him uh you know said he did did a good job but he just wasn't the the fit for the role so uh it was actually kind of a happy coincidence that that happened around the same time that um fox's michael j fox's uh partner in crime on the show um uh family ties um her name was something like baxter something baxter uh the actress uh, the, that also started on the show, she had been um, on maternity leave. And so they were mm. like, we can't have Michael J. Fox leave because he's the only thing holding the show together. Uh, so finally, so so around the time that they let uh, Stoltz go, Baxter was able to come back on the show. She, you know, had her maternity leave ran up. Uh, and so she was able to... She was done being a mom. Done being a mom. Um, and so she came back on the show. And now... Um, and that freed up uh, Michael J. Fox to, I guess, I guess he's not in as many scenes. I don't know. So he's mm-hmm. able to, to spend a lot more time working on movies instead of TV. Yeah. But he's still filming both at the same time, which is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And they had this weird contract where if there was ever a conflict between Family Ties and uh, Back to the Future, then Family Ties would get him. Because that was like his... Oh, yeah. Family Ties had the priority. I think I've heard about yeah. that. Um, so they were... And... and uh, so they had Tough to film all of the all of the outdoor shots on the weekends, because Family Ties took them up took them every day all day. So they had to, so all the indoor shots are shot at night, uh, and huh. all of the outdoor shots that they had to shoot during the day had to be on weekends when he wasn't working for Family Ties. Nuts, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's. I'm getting tired thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's bad. But get this, get this. Uh, Michael J. Fox is only 5'5", five five, so that screwed with everything when they switched to him. They had to recast Jennifer because the actress was taller than him. Oh, no. Yeah. So Okay, so that's, that's, that's the, one. the yeah. meeting I wouldn't want to be in. Imagine being, you're too tall. <laughs> Leave. <sighs> I guess they weren't going to put Fox. Yeah, oh, because the sneakers are a big part, so they couldn't put him in heels. Yeah, um, another little weird height thing is that um, originally they wanted to have, uh, what's his nuts? Um, they wanted to have J.J. Cohen play Biff, but they but he wasn't physically impos- uh, imposing enough. He wasn't like 
He was about the same height as Stoltz. So he, you know, and they wanted the character Biff to be much taller than Marty. So they mm-hmm. got this guy named Thomas F. Wilson to play him and they recast JJ Cohen as uh, skinhead, you know, just one of his goons, which kind of sucks for Cohen because he had it right in the bag. And then, yeah. you know, they switched to Marty and he's significantly taller, or sorry, they switched to Michael J. Fox and he's significantly taller than Michael J. Fox. So he could have played it, but they didn't switch him back. Which is kind of a, a, a big... That's raw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, um, Christopher Lloyd uh, is significant taller. He's like 6'1". So he had to like... He's, he played the whole thing hunched over, but it kind of works because he's like a crazy professor. He just kind of slouched for the whole movie. Something nobody ever talks about, or at least I don't ever hear people talking about it, is the old man makeup in that movie. Because... Oh, dude. He was not that old. And he nowadays, as an old man, Christopher Lloyd, he looks exactly like <laughs> That's what so he good. looked like in... The look, the, the, the look was said to be inspired, obviously, by um, Albert Einstein, and uh, sure, you know, they nailed it. But that's hilarious that he <laughs> looks like that now. I, here's a little interesting fun fact for you, um, and I've noticed this in other movies. They filmed the 1950s scenes first, and they like manicured the the set, the town that they were using, uh, which wasn't a real town. It was like totally a prop town. Um, mm-hmm. They manicured, like on the yeah, they manicured it to perfection to look like it was. Uh, is pristine town in the 50s and then for the 80s when they and just then they crashed it, it up oh that's cool yeah which i didn't I, I mean when you watch it you don't go oh the 81 look like shit um but it it, it kind of conveys a message that i guess that they were trying to say that 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 50s nostalgia yeah totally um okay well that's what i got so no in that case that's the show so I want to thank you, Glenn, for the intro music. The song is called Bird on SoundCloud. Uh, it's also linked in the description. Also linked, we've got Matthew Innie and Natalie Quick. Matthew did some various logos for us. Well, Natalie did great work for our cover, so thank you to them, and thank you to you for listening. This unedited podcast is a monument to our declining mental facilities. Mine especially. Dude, mine's kind of all over the place, too. <laughs> Um, mine was a Captain D video with uh, (laughs) with a Wikipedia page. (laughs)